Hi, welcome to Weekend Watchlist, a look at what's screening and streaming. Brought to you by The Letterboxd Show. I'm Mia. They're Slim. Hello. And together we'll dig through what's dropping this weekend, last weekend, recent trends on Letterboxd, and we'll also take a peek at our own watchlists, all under 30 minutes or your money back. Mia, this could be the biggest episode we've ever done. George Miller is back, Mia. He's back. Finally, we've been waiting for this guy. (laughs) First movie since Mad Max Fury Road. That feels like 20 years ago that movie had come out. Will, Will he be able to top it? We'll find out. We'll also dip into the comics world with A24's Funny Pages, The Good Boss with Javier Bardem and our community reviews as always. Uh, but first, this episode is sponsored by our friends at Mubi, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. And every day, Mubi premieres a new film from iconic directors to emerging auteurs. You know there's always something new to discover, Mia. Oh, Slim, you know I love Mubi because they got that Yorgos Lanthimos short film Nimic that I had been trying to track down for years. Mm. It's just, it's on Mubi. You can watch it on Mubi right here, right now. Um, All those Yorgos heads. Did you know, Slim, though, Mubi also has a podcast? I did know that, and I'm a sub. (laughs) Oh, their acclaimed audio documentary series, Mubi Podcast, just wrapped their most recent season, and it's all about movie theaters. I don't need to tell you this because you already subscribed, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It is Mm. called Only in Theaters, and it tells surprising stories of individual movie theaters that had a huge impact on film history, and in some cases, history in general. You can now binge that entire season of the Mubi Podcast in whatever app you're using right now. The final episode of the season focuses on Africa's island region of Zanzibar and how that used to be movie crazy, but today just one theater remains and it's called The Majestic. Awesome name for a theater. And don't forget, you can start watching movies on Mubi free for 90 days at Mubi.com slash letterboxed. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash letterboxed for three months of great cinema for free. And we'll have a link in the episode notes to make it easy for you. We got to bring back the movie palace. Oh. You remember those movie palaces from back in the day? When people respected, when they respected the art of cinema going. (laughs) Just saying. That's one of my passions is. (laughs) Let's fire it up. Let's get it going. Let's get the Kickstarter up and running. Let's start off with a movie that should be playing in a movie palace. 3,000 Years of Longing by George Miller. This is going to be in theaters. It is on 41,000 watch lists. A lonely and bitter British woman discovers an ancient bottle while on a trip to Istanbul and unleashes a djinn who offers her three wishes. Filled with apathy, she is unable to come up with one until his stories spark in her a desire to be loved. Aww. This has the triple threat. Idris Miller Tilda. Idris George Tilda, I guess you yeah, remember Idris my first George. name. <laughs> <laughs> but this is on a lot of people's watch lists. I've only seen the trailer, but there is some buzz starting on Letterboxd. And Mia, what was your experience? I mean, can you top Mad Max Fury Road? Is it possible? No. <laughs> and that's not a dig at this movie at all. I just mean in general, how are you supposed to follow up Mad Max Fury Road? How do you right. how do you even do that? Um, so I did see this. And I will never complain about a new George Miller. He is an undeniable visionary that is so much still on display here. Um, it's always so fun to watch to watch what's in his crazy brain. 
Um, <laughs> but this is a completely different type of film from Mad Max, if that's what you're expecting. Um, so much of it is confined in a hotel room, actually. Whereas like Mad Max, you have these sprawling deserts and there's so much action. So this one's um, a little toned down. Mm-hmm. But it still it still has all <laughs> that George Miller zaniness that we've come to expect. If I had to compare it to any of his previous films, I would say Babe Pig in the City. <laughs> I mean, how many people are only know George Miller from Fury Road? Like realistically, like there's probably a huge percentage of movie watchers that have only seen Fury Road, maybe not even Babe Pig in the City. And they're like, heck yeah, new George Miller. Maybe there's a genie mixed in. What kind of action am I getting into? And they maybe they'll be a little bit shell-shocked that it's not quite what they'll expect. I mean, the trailer makes it look like sexy Aladdin a little bit with Idris, with those ears. My word. Oh it's my like a romance, God, right? Yes. That's another thing is that this is a this is an epic romance. Mm. Um, I love romances. I love love. And I do think that this film really explores um, just like desire uh, very, very well in, in an interesting way. Ella left her view sexier than Aladdin, but still not sexy enough. Enjoyed the big swing towards a dimension-shattering romance in the last third, but got a wee bit lost on the way. Gorgeous visuals, epic visuals. Tilda Swinton, you will be famous forever. Yes. Oh, the visuals are incredible. I also want to add that George Miller wrote this with his daughter, Augusta Gore. Ooh. Yes, Augusta Gore is his daughter, just so everybody knows. This was a father-daughter joint. Brian Lai left to review the entire existence of this film baffles me. It's the ultimate blank check type production and we're in a better world now that it exists. So yeah, it did look yeah. a little blank checky. Like do whatever the heck you want, George. Yeah, I mean, he made Mad Max. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, he's so, finally yeah. cashing them checks, baby. Yes, yes. Not cashing checks would be cartoonists. The money isn't there for cartoonists. But our next movie is Funny Pages, directed by Owen Klein. This is limited theater release and video on demand. 12,000 watch lists. It's sitting at a 3.6 average rating already. A teenage cartoonist rejects the comforts of his suburban life in a misguided quest for soul. And this comes from A24. I saw the trailer for this, and I've been reading comics since I was like eight years old, I have friends in the comics community. I know a few cartoonists and I was kind of like shocked that A24 made this movie. It doesn't look like a mainstream joint. I guess not to say that every A24 movie is mainstream, but like the life of a New Jersey cartoonist, you know, satirical cartoonist doesn't seem like a big sell. With that said, I love this movie. I adored it. Uh, there is the safty. I think the Safties. Uh, both Safties did produce it, and mm. I I really felt that uh, trademark Safty grime shining through yes. in this film. Especially, there's a really fun uncut gems cameo that I yelped at. Um, again, I'm not, <laughs> not going to spoil anything, but for the uncut gems heads, you are gonna have to see this. Yeah, I agree. I think if if people liked uncut gems, good time, and you want to see something similar in that vein, I mean, how about the basement scenes? Oh my. In this movie. Did you just not want to just dry heave every time they were in that so, basement? Oh, the basement. So disgusting. They He stays in like this boiling hot basement with all these old roommates. And it's like the grossest thing. Every detail that the guy adds about the basement makes it worse and worse. And it is so <laughs> funny and squirmy and disgusting. I mean, there's a close up of a, there's a close up of a dude's foot that maybe want to just throw yeah. my laptop across the room. <laughs> there, there needs to be like some kind of foot movie list where like if, if you oh, don't want to see grody feet. I promise there are foot movie lists out there. 
probably used for better or worse. Yeah, I'm not sure if you avoid or people want to see those movies. <laughs> but I will say that I love that this exists. It reminded me of a, of a comic movie that would have come out in the 2000s, early 2000s. Um, definitely memories of like American Splendor. Uh, some Harvey P. Carr, Crumb, you know, early, late 90s, early 2000s vibe. So I, I loved it. I had a great time watching this. And I really enjoyed it, even though I'm not a comics girly and am pretty unfamiliar with the community and industry. Um, but I think that it's... It, it's appealing to anybody whose mind is open, I guess. I don't want to say mm-hmm. it's appealing for all because it is uh, pretty chaotic and, and gross at times, but I really enjoyed it. Um, so if you don't, if you feel like, oh, I don't really know much about comics, I don't know if I'll like it, uh, go anyway. Yeah. That's what I did. There. Let's see. Iana loved this. Very funny. Had an incredible grimy texture that I really dug. And not just because the production design is disgusting in the best way. When I saw the Safdie producer credits, it all made so much sense. So another positive review. Let's swing around from, you know, indie underground to uh, the horrors of capitalism with The Good (laughs) Boss, directed by Fernando Leon de Aranoa. It's in limited theaters and it is on 7.5 thousand watch lists with a 3.6 average rating. Not bad at all. Here's the synopsis. Awaiting a visit by a committee that could give his company an award for excellence, the owner of an industrial scales manufacturing business tries to resolve any problems from his workers in enough time. Slim, you saw this. I did see this. I watched this yesterday. Javier Bardem putting out an acting clinic in this movie. I was I was thinking Oscar. Right off the bat in this movie. Wow. Right away. I'm not sure if I'm starting the buzz, the Oscar buzz for Javier. To be fair, I don't watch a lot of Javier Bardem movies, but I was really blown away by his performance. He plays this like boss at this scale factory who seemingly is making all the right moves. He's always talking about your job is we're family here, you know? Which is always the worst thing you want to hear from a boss. Like you never want to hear your boss say you're no. family. <laughs> That's no, no, a no. huge red flag. <laughs> um but you know, and he, he has these relationships with his coworkers that he's had for years and then start slowly but surely there's cracks in this, you know, clean facade of his business. And he slowly tries to prevent them from getting any worse. And I loved it. I had a, a lot of fun. It was funny. Javier is so good in the role as this boss who seemingly has it all under control and then slowly things start to go awry. Um, but I, I I dug it. I hope people check this out. The good boss, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem is one of our best working actors. Um, hard mm-hmm. stop. Like, I will watch anything that he's in because he's so compelling. I even watched Being the Ricardos. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it for him. He is He's incredible. <laughs> Hashtag do it for Javier. Do it for Javier. We have Jack's review. I went in a bit skeptical, but it grew on me a lot as it went along and all of its threads built to their crescendos. Mm, Jack's facts getting in on it. Given that positive, given that heart emoji. So it's sitting above the Gemma line, as we've talked about on this show, the 3.5 lines, 3.6 right now. 3.6. Giving you the green light. All right, so let's look back at the last week. We'll talk about the, the movies that had dropped. We'll see how their ratings are shaking out. We'll read some reviews. But what do you want to spotlight looking back uh, last week? Well, we have a new 4K restoration of Viera Hitalova's Daisies. Remember that feminist Czech new wave masterpiece? Mm. Um, so this is like a film school staple. Uh, it was super, super formative during my film school years um, because it is 
uh, undeniably feminist and revolutionary. It's about girls engaging in debauchery. <laughs> What's better than that? Um, so I highly, highly recommend if you've never seen it, check out Daisies. It it could change your life. I'm saying it's that good. It is that good. 1966. Yeah, it's uh for those that don't have a 4K player or Blu-ray, it's all also right now on Criterion and HBO Max if you want to check it out. Cool. One thing I'll spotlight before we get into the ratings from last week, uh, another Blu-ray release that I'm excited about. You ever heard of Ghost Watch, Mia? No, Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch is one of my fave like lo-fi horror movies. It was a BBC production in 1992. It was like a TV show that aired on the BBC, it was presented as a live broadcast into a haunted house. So they had like a reporter, you know, conversing with someone in a BBC set, you know, like old school news type deal. Um, And as they're going in, they're doing like live calls. They're talking about the history of the house and it looks kind of like legit 1992. And as the night goes on, you start to see weird things happening (gasps) on camera that is kind of like out of focus. So you have to like, you barely even see it, but then it gets amped up. In 1992, the 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 story behind this production is that like thousands of people thought this was real. Like and they were calling the BBC to like freak out, <laughs> like calling them to say that like when you were in the basement, uh, something was behind you and you never saw it, or like in the window there was a form of someone. So very cool. It's coming from 101 Films and Diabolique in time for Halloween, and I think it's not streaming anywhere right now. Um, but if you look on the internet archive, I think it might be available for, for inquiring minds, but definitely check out this Blu-ray if you can. It's a ton of fun. That sounds awesome. I'm adding it to my watch list. I love, um, I guess this isn't technically found footage, but I like that, uh, that technique yes. where it seems very real. <laughs> yeah. We we kind of like can't do it anymore. It's like hard. Yeah. It's way harder to do. Like we have like the host movie that come out when they were doing the Zoom call. Oh, I I had fun that with that one. Fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so yes. similar in that vein. If you like host, you you're gonna love Ghost Watch. And they got to make an Unfriended three. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the Change.org petition for yeah, for Unfriended three? <laughs> Anything else you want to uh, spotlight? Yes, actually, kind of speaking, since we're talking about horror. Um, I just caught a screening of Barbarian recently. What? Yes, I did. I did. Um, this is coming so out pissed. September 9th. Oh, man, I loved it. I was totally not expecting to fall in love with it as much as I did. I just kind of went because I love horror, and it's directed by Zach Kreger of the Whitest Kids You Know sketch show, mm. um, which I watched a lot in middle school. Um, and so I'm just a fan of him. So I, so I went and oh my God, I was jumping. I was screaming. I was laughing. Like there were like five genuine jump scares that really got me. Like I jumped and screamed and I'm Uh a Susan professional. I am a professional. (laughs) I am very good at spotting jump scares and just like sitting silently while all my friends are freaking out. And this was getting me. So Uh. I just, when it comes out, I, I cannot recommend it enough. It was Amazing. <laughs> it has, I'm so annoyed that you were able to see this and I haven't been, but I, this, I had not heard about this until maybe like last week and someone tweeted, go see Barbarian, don't read anything. This, yes. It's this year's Malignant. And I did not like Malignant, but that's a great pitch for me to get interested for this movie, Barbarian. I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm listening. So the, the synopsis, in town for a job interview, a young woman arrives at her Airbnb late at night only to find that it has been mistakenly double booked and a strange man is already staying there. I won't read the rest, but I'm see, all in on Barbarian. See, that synopsis is even 
misleading because that really makes it sound like, oh, just it's like an Airbnb horror story, which I feel like mm-hmm. has been happening a lot recently with like, I don't know, Airbnb horror <laughs> is emerging. <laughs> is um, that a list? Like, imagine if yeah, that's a list I on Letterboxd next to the foot list. <laughs> yeah, there's the rental. Dave Franco's the rental or whatever. So, oh, yeah. um, but this is not an Airbnb horror. Like, I'm not going to say anything because you should go in blind, but it mm-hmm. is bonkers. And I see the malignant comparisons, but I I like this more. And I okay. enjoyed Malignant. It's on my I watch think, list. Yeah. So we have the three releases from last week, Orphan First Kills, actually going up in rating. It's at a 3.0 average. Uh, Bianca left a review. A whacked out pulpy blast exceeded my expectations on where this prequel would go. I don't care if she's very clearly older playing younger. Benjamin Button logic. Problem solved. Give Esther all the things. So Orphan First Kills uh, averaging up. I think it's the camp effect because it's mm. it, it's a, it gets a little campy um, with Julia Stiles at one point, and I think that that is driving it. Never underestimate the power of camp. Never. That's a t-shirt mm-hmm. idea right there. Yes. <laughs> Beast is uh, trending a little bit lower, 2.8 average. Brian Lilat's review, it's Cujo Lion Edition in the safari featuring Idris. And while the thrilling moments are well executed and there's definitely a sense of fear, uh, honestly, I had a hard time staying engaged. So Beast is trending downward right now. Um, Also trending downward is Spin Me Round, directed by Jeff Baina, written by Baina and Allison Brie. Mm. Um, It has gone down to a 2.7 average rating. I did review this film, one of my rare reviews these days. Um, (laughs) I said, at least Tim Heidecker got a free trip to Italy, reason why cast signed on, and Aubrey Plaza got to kiss a woman. Reason why I signed on. <laughs> <laughs> and two, we talked about the Gemma line. Three point, is it 3.5 is the Gemma line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 2.5 is probably my line. I'm still very <laughs> much into the 2.5 and up. Most of the action movies I love, I mean, they're way lower than 2.5. So there's still hope for these films by all means. Yeah. No updates from Jack this week on the Letterboxd Top 50 of 2022. So let's drift right into the watch list segment. Last time you were on the episode, Mia, what did you roll what did you shuffle on your watch list Uh uh-oh slim (laughs) Uh uh-oh i'm in trouble Uh, (laughs) so i got death at a funeral starring Mm. my man's matthew mcfadden but get this slim i forgot i had to watch this one (laughs) i'm admitting it right here right now but the good news is that yes. I watched a different film on my watch list. Okay. So not I'm all listening. is lost. Yeah. I watched Seconds by John Frankenheimer, a sci-fi masterpiece from 1966 starring mm. Rock Hudson. I saw it in beautiful 35 millimeter. Oh my God. Oh man. I, I really enjoyed it. It had been on my watch list for years and years and years. Um, for those who don't know about it, the synopsis is a secret organization offers wealthy people a second chance at life. The customer picks out someone they want to be and the organization surgically alters the customer to look like the intended person, stages the customer's death, gets rid of the intended person, and the customer takes on a new life. Mm. Um, So Rock Hudson is the guy that this average Joe transforms into. So imagine (laughs) he like grows like a foot (laughs) into Rock Hudson and like gets so handsome And then, you know, he realizes it's not all as cracked up to be as stories like these so often go. But yeah, I I loved it. I'm so glad that I finally watched it. And I'm sorry I I didn't watch the movie I was supposed to. You never have to apologize to us. 
Man, yeah, never on this show. Maybe to the audience, but not to me. <laughs> I, I, funnily enough, I watched Seconds for the first time like a couple weeks ago as well. <gasps> what? This is streaming on Pluto. It was kind of hard to find, I think, for a little bit. Um, how about that large scene with them making that wine nude? Oh my God, That yeah. scene was like 25 minutes long. It was well, it wild. It was so long. I was thinking about that too. It just like, they go and they stomp on grapes for a long, long time of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not complaining. I think it's funny <laughs> to just take like a wine stomping uh, segue detour. Yeah. Every movie should do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in my review, I, I compared it to, in a positive way, a long Twilight Zone episode? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the, th- what theater did you see this at? Sounds like a really fun time. Oh, my beloved Los Feliz 3, um, programmed by American Cinematheque, which is my favorite film organization mm. in LA. They have the, the best programming, usually on film. I mean, most of the diary entries that you add that seem to be somewhat related to like some of these special showings at the local theaters. It's pretty cool to see. It's it's a big reason why I moved to LA, honestly, is because I mm. love seeing these movies on film, like with a community that appreciates the films as well. Like the audience right. is always so nice. Um, yeah, I, I it's my one of my favorite parts about living in LA. I shuffled and got Chan is Missing. That was my film, Ooh. 1982, and this was streaming on the Criterion channel. It was about two cabbies in San Francisco's Chinatown who searched for a mysterious character that they knew. I liked it a lot. It's indie, black and white. The black and white is absolutely gorgeous. It's like a comedy drama with these two cabbies, and they're talking with locals to try to find that missing friend, and they're all getting different stories on who that person actually was. So like, everyone has a different interpretation. Um, my two main takeaways, I love the hats that Leeds wore. We need to bring hats back yes. in cinema. We need to bring it back. And I sarcastically wrote my review that this was made on like a shoestring budget in 1982. And the audio is still way better than most podcasts that are produced today. What? Like, I don't even know how it's happening, but I need people to wake up who make their own podcasts in <laughs> 2022. <laughs> but I loved how this investigated the cultural differences and misconceptions of like Chinese American communities. You know, that was the main fixture of this movie about how often Chinese Americans just get grouped as like one person and they're all the same. And this did a really great job at kind of seeing the layers of different people in the community. I I dug it a lot. I recommend it. Wow. Okay. Now I have to add that to my watch list. I'm adding so many things to my watch list this episode. We're not Jeff- like I'm not making progress on my watch list. Like I it's going have up. more. It's going up. <laughs> Jeff actually watched Shannon's Missing also. Easygoing Joe is a cab driver turned gumshoe. He and his nephew search for his friend and business partner who's gone missing. Often has a documentary vibe as Joe works the clues, pieces together evidence, and chats with those closest to Chan. It's funny, engaging, and rather enlightening. So thanks for uh watching along, Jeff. Yes. Okay. Emma Hodge watched The Handmaiden, which is one of mm-hmm. my favorites. I love, love, love Park Chan-wook. Uh, here's the review. I went into this thinking it was a period drama, but it's surprisingly funny, sexy, and spooky. One of those films that needs to be seen more than once because I didn't know what I was watching until over halfway through. Yeah, The Handmaiden tricks you a little bit. <laughs> it really revs up. <laughs> Cinema trickery for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I really like that movie. Alexandria. Marcel the shell with shoes on. We'll always spotlight a Marcel. I'll do it every mm-hmm. friggin' week <laughs> if we have to. This gave me all the serotonin I need to last me a year. Who knew a little shell and his grandma could cure my depression? 
I mean, what an ending of that movie, right? I know. If you're I not know. Emo- an emotional wreck at the end of that movie, got to get checked out. I was I was weeping. <laughs> it was a mess in that theater during Marcel. Oh, man. Okay, so Kayla watched this movie called The Orange Years, the Nickelodeon story. Mm. I should have known a woman was responsible for building Nickelodeon from the ground up. Huh? Yeah, that's a great doc. What? I've actually watched that. You have? The, I grew up on Nickelodeon, so I was the targeted demo for that documentary. And and she's right. Yeah, the woman was in charge of like that entire slate of programming for years. She was the executive at Nickelodeon. Uh, definitely recommend that documentary if anyone's curious. Wow. I love to learn. I'm obsessed with knowledge. Learn, live, laugh. Learn, right? Isn't that what laugh. the shirt says? That is what it says, exactly. <laughs> That's Learn, what the piece laugh. of wood that is on everyone's kitchen wall yeah. if they're over 35. <laughs> so let's shuffle our watch list. It's time for us to get another movie. Well, maybe not you since you already have Well, should still I do it? I mean, here's the thing. I Because I messed up so badly and ruined the entire series, <laughs> I am going to pledge... To watch two. To watch two. Oh my yeah. gosh. Because I feel like. <laughs> I've never heard such a pledge made on this show yeah. in our history, uh, but yeah, I'm, I... I'm excited for it to happen. So let me shuffle. Thank I'm going to head to my watch list. I'm going to filter by stream only, make it easy for myself since I'm a pro member. And then I'm going to sort by shuffle. So the first movie that shows up in this list is the one I have to watch before the next episode. Oh, my God. 1940, The Philadelphia Story, Cary Grant, (gasps) Catherine Hepburn, James Stewart. (laughs) It's on HBO Max right now. I've never seen it. This you poster, got the Philadelphia story. This poster is out of sight. Oh my God, I can't wait to watch it. Oh man, I love, love, love that one. Four stars from Brat. Yep, it's true. Letterboxd. It's a four stars. Well, I mean, you got <laughs> Carrie, James, Catherine. Come on, that is the big three. That's the George That's Tilda Idris. <laughs> The original. The original. Three. The original uh, triad. Oh yeah. my God. Okay, let's hear what you get. I got... I got something wild. I feel like we're kind of switching personalities this week because I got Akira. Whoa! I know! I got Akira. Oh my God. Just covered that on 70mm. What are the chances? Oh my God. This is streaming on Hulu and Tubi. Wow. Yeah. This is another one that has been sitting in my watch list for years. Um, oh my god yeah yeah we both kind of got staples of cinema (laughs) this is gonna be a big big few weeks on this podcast yeah big few weeks has there ever been a bigger week in the history of this show no no (laughs) it's the biggest episode (laughs) it's the biggest episode yet (laughs) it's the biggest one Thanks so much for listening to Weekend Watchlist brought to you by The Letterbox Show. You can follow Mia Slim, that's me, and our HQ page on Letterbox using the links in our episode notes. And if you're still listening right now, maybe you have the time, consider rating the show on Spotify or leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps spread the word about the show. And don't forget about your movie coupon, movie.com slash letterbox, get 90 days free. Thanks to our crew and thanks to Letterboxd member Trent Walton for the theme music. 
eyes on. Thanks to Jack for the facts and Sophie Shin for the episode transcript. And to you for listening. Weekend Watchlist is a Tape Deck production. This, this, this is a Tape Deck podcast. Oh, my God.